12 o'clock window, Michigan just Michigan, what they did to Indiana is a is a crime. Indiana would be right, <laughs> would be would not be wrong to press charges there. Um good thing they're in the Big Ten getting that Big Ten money because yeah, Michigan came through just mud puddle, stomped a stomped a mud puddle through them. Just smoked uh, them and went home too, just so super casually. Yep, just just really, real casual. Week seven, week seven in the books. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, SP and Ross's untitled college football podcast. How do your Sundays? Oh, Saturdays. Sorry, my head's head's in the wrong place. How do your Saturdays feel? Um, Ross let me know he's operating under the weather, so this could be a flu-like symptom game, ladies and gentlemen. So bear with us. But we are going to uh and unlike some of your favorite players, I'm yeah. still playing. We are still gonna produce, yeah. <laughs> Un- unlike certain quarterbacks for Kansas, uh, you know, you're out there and we will get to certain people. Um I feel like it's I feel like I have a personal vendetta <laughs> against uh Jalen Daniels now or Jaden Daniels now. Uh, I just want to be clear, I don't, but it is way more fun to watch Kansas when he plays. Uh Week seven, man. Week seven in the books. Great week of games. Great slate of games. Probably the biggest matchup of the year to this point with the Washington-Oregon game. Um, What was that number? Yeah, that was a treat. I I should have had their pregame. What were they, eight and seven or six? Somewhere in there, right? Nine and eight or not, like. Both in the top ten. Sorry if yeah, I didn't write it. I didn't write it down beforehand. Um, they, you know, Oregon didn't drop too far. Uh, so, you know, and and we'll talk about all that. But yeah, that was probably the biggest matchup of the season thus far. Um, but I feel like there were some other just kind of spots and some other games that we'll talk about where this was to me the first week where we really. Like, we learned something this week. I feel like other weeks, maybe there's always something to learn. Uh, with with each week of college football, but I feel like this was the week where we learned the most um, in terms of two teams that we thought very highly of, and then a lot of other teams. I think we learned ahead of some of their big matchups, maybe what we can expect from them or kind of who certain teams are. So off off top, the the and you know we'll get in depth on these games, but the Oregon Washington game was okay. We're gonna see. Um, these are the two teams at the top of the Pac-12. We're going to see who's who. We're going to see whose defense can stop who. We're going to see whose offense can operate at a high level like they do. That was that test. Um, but then I feel like we also had tests like just the Alabama-Arkansas uh, game, not nearly of the same magnitude. But I feel like that game just kind of learned a little bit about Alabama um i feel like i learned a little bit about penn state and ohio state and in games where they didn't really you know it's not like they were tested in these big matchups but you still learn stuff 
from them that you kind of project going into these next matchups. So, yeah, as we talk about these week's games, that's kind of the prism I looked through it with. Um, I just wanted, yeah. Did you did you feel like this was the first week where we've had enough sample size leading up to this and now we're seeing conference matchups so that we can kind of gleam a little bit more who's on what level going forward? Yeah, I think that's right. We've obviously had consequential games before this weekend, but uh, when we started talking about levels and tiers, I definitely think this weekend we started to see some separation as far as who is the cream of the crop, by conference and across the board, and then who is it? Yeah. So that I, I love when we get to this time, right, where it's just about halfway, a little bit less for some, depending on what – number of teams have played. So going forward, it just gets, you know, each week is more and more that litmus test sort of game for some of these teams. So we'll get into that as we talk games. But quick hitters, quick thoughts. Um, Colorado, Colorado was playing on Friday. I'm going to do a quick weeknight game segment because there were so many this week and a lot happened. Uh, But Colorado, they were doing the game and the first half was basically just an ode to Deion Sanders because you got Mark Jones and Lewis Riddick on the call. Um, you know, they're obviously very pro Dion and it's, it's going to be, you know, a, a pro Dion type of broadcast as opposed to a mutual one. We'll just, just put it like that. Uh, and so they were throwing out a lot of stats. One of the stats they threw out was per game. Cause we've talked big numbers here with the Dion effect, but per game, the revenue that he generates for the Boulder Colorado campus and their greater area uh, on game days alone is 18 million dollars yeah that's that's shocking but not surprising another reminder that as people will complain about how much money athletes and coaches make uh especially for athletes like y'all salaries are depressed whatever lebron james stephen curry gets paid like they get paid way under what they're worth to these franchises so i think Dion is very much so in that same boat so colorado you're getting a bargain be grateful why you have them yeah for sure and again like i always say every week don't know where this show goes next the Dion sanders show um but you see like you know just know that everyone is seeing these numbers um and i just hope that the colorado fans appreciate it I hope college football as a whole appreciates it um, because it could be just a fleeting moment. You know, it could be a two, three year type of thing if that and and you just want to enjoy it while we have it, Um, you know, because I just think it's it it is different if he goes to the pros. Uh, If he goes to a bigger college program, this only gets magnified and more awesome. But if he goes if he goes the pro route, which I, I feel like he doesn't necessarily have the desire to do, I feel like he'd rather take a big. Uh, college job, but wherever he ends up, um, it'll be interesting. Speaking of, here's how I'm going to transition to that or out of that. Here's a place he could go um, and probably have more success than the person who's there. And I I respect the person that's there. And I mostly say this in jest, but also it kind of gave us a little bit of insight. And it's something that we actually talked about maybe two or three weeks back when we were trying to give Penn State a rebrand. Uh, James Franklin be just his absolute disgust and, and just d- almost vomit reaction 
to the mere suggestion of throwing the ball deep, you know, once or twice for a contested deep shot for one of your freakish wide receivers. Um, the mere fact that he just couldn't even comprehend and it was made physically uncomfortable. Uh, he, he verbally said so, uh, is kind of, that's, I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not with, this is what we meant by like, you need a rebrand because just the, I, I, I mean, you could have, you took the question, like the worst way that you could have taken it. It sounded like it was just a local school reporter who, you know, plays Madden, who wants you just to like throw a deep post every now and again. And it's not a ridiculous suggestion when you're looking around the scene of college football to ask for your team to take a deep shot. But it just seems like that that was a little bit of a window or insight into, yeah, you're never going to compete with. You're, you're playing them this weekend. Maybe you beat them. But in the long run, how are you going to compete with Ohio State and, and Michigan just being so adverse to the idea of, want to take a deep shot every now and again, Coach? Yeah, my my quick my initial assessment was this is like a coach speak Jedi mind tricks thing. I mean, clearly he has to know even from the the Sean Clifford era, like bombing it bombing it to your wide receivers is a way to win games and generate offense for your team. So I thought he was just BS in here, but like, yeah, he really meant that. Yikes. He did. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, he meant it. Like I, I watched the video, and he, he was not doing coach speak. He was very. He was, he was made uncomfortable, in a way that, uh, the you know that suggestion of offense was like, you know, somebody suggesting that he commit a crime. Or just like this is the way <laughs> the way he's like I'm I'm just made uncomfortable by you even like hypothetically suggesting that right now. It was almost like the guy had suggested he he just try something heinous, and he's always like I don't even want to talk about that in a hypothetical. So James Franklin, the the rebrand we talked about it. Maybe get some sweeter jerseys. Maybe you know lighten that offense up a little bit, or or you know maybe run and shoot. Just, just I, I'm gonna suggest it because we have to talk about your team seriously before this episode is up. But there's such a large part of me that doesn't want to take you guys seriously because I do think that you're trapped in an era that no longer exists trying to play football. But we'll talk to that uh, uh, about them. Um, just to tie up a loose end from last week, we we talked about coaching versus yelling. Uh, Terry and Arnold, it's a uh, defensive back for Alabama and Nick Saban, you know, was infamously yelling. He's been doing a lot of yelling this, this year. Uh, but again, if that is his coach, yeah, if that's his coaching style though. Right. And I feel like he hasn't, uh, had to yell like this with previous Alabama teams because they've just overwhelmed with talent. But now, you know, they're having to win these games in the margins and they're having to, you know, the, the coaching is, is really more, important now more than ever but uh arnold the the player was just talking about how you have to ignore the tone or the volume of what's being said and focus on the message because when nick saban is chewing you out uh he's not just yelling at you to yell at you what he's saying is coaching that you need to be open and coachable to taking and so that that was just a kind of you know what i was speaking to which is that fine line between 
and you you spoke to this as well with some coaches language that is maybe how they communicate and so you know you need to be able to tone out the yelling and focus on the tone versus the coaches who if they're just yelling all the time just all the time yelling you're gonna naturally tune that out because at what point you know it's it's now lost its effect this is just your volume 24 7 so at, at that point you know it, the message isn't even getting through whereas if nick saban's turning the volume up the message is you know that at least what i'm hearing from his players is that's how he coaches it's not personal the message gets through and oh by the way they win a lot so i just you know wanted to tie that up i'm glad that I, I caught that at the press conference, just kind of speaking to that difference there. Um, these are the last two note things. One, we got to call the rugby scrum type play something else. Can't be the tush push. We can't do it. Can't have announcers, grown men out here saying tush. We can't have segments on ESPN Countdown and Sports Center and stuff breaking down with big graphics that say tush push. Or there's some other one that was like, but something like, I get it. We just let's move away from the butt stuff. Like, can we just call it something else? Like, I'm already disgusted that we have to watch that play just because it looks terrible. But if you if you want to go that route, go that route. But we just got to stop calling it butt stuff or tush push or let's just come up with something else. Like only Philly can be the, the brotherly shove because it's a playoff of their city. But the rest of y'all, let's just call it what it is. It's a rugby scrum. And it's nasty, but if if it works, go for it. That's my venting on that. A lot of words in the English language. We can figure out something a little bit more creative than that. So I, I agree. We're too obsessed with rhymes is really what it is. They're like, no one, if it doesn't rhyme, they don't, they don't want to use it. They're like, we got to think of something that rhymes. It's got to be rhymey. Like, it, we can just, it can just be called the scrum or you know, the, the power sneak, like it doesn't have to be uh, a cute little rhyme. Um, Cause I feel like, again, it's already annoying to watch. Don't make it annoying to watch and hear you announce and it. listen to. Yeah. yeah just it's yeah, offensive. Fair. It's offensive to multiple senses. Now um, last note, I want you to rank these intros because I think this was the, these college football intros. I think this was the three o'clock window this week, all at the same time. We had South Carolina coming out to Darude Sandstorm. We had Penn State, wasn't at night, but coming out to Zombie Nation. Uh, then we had the Virginia Tech Enter Sandman intro at, again, not at night, but still a great intro. And then the Tennessee Rocky Top, the band forms the T, they come running out. That's more, I guess, of a traditional kind of band type of intro. But I want you to rank those. What is that for? Rank those four intros from if if all at their height and the team plays well and wins. What's the the sickest from the least? Yeah, I was gonna say, how many of those teams actually won? That's um, I mean, you, Tennessee won. Separate the parameter. Tennessee did win. Virginia Tech won too. Penn State won. This is all they all won. Only South Carolina lost. But what are your Yeah, South Carolina lost. I would go I'm gonna go Zombie Nation is last for me. Like it's cool, but if it's not a whiteout, if it's not at night, it's kind of just like whatever. So I'm gonna go Penn State fourth. I'm gonna go 
Sandstorm is a great song. South Carolina is rarely uh, good enough to warrant coming out to that, though. So, like, that's kind of sometimes the hypest that it gets. They've been better, but, like, I'm going to just say that's that's third. I'm going to go Tennessee second just because Rocky Top stands the test of time. And Enter Sandman, for my money, their team might not be what it once was, though they're climbing back to get to 500 VTech. But Enter Sandman, for my money, is the best college football intro. Maybe, I mean, you know, LSU, Death Valley, it's a a better scene. But intro, I'm going to Virginia Tech, Enter Sandman. Yeah, I don't don't have any changes. Um, Actually, for similar reasons. The only one I was considering was vaulting. Tennessee says hot, but like you said, Rocky Top stands the test of time. So it does. It's really the only the only band one that's really just like cool every time to me. And I guess maybe some of that Virginia, some uh, the Oklahoma Texas stuff during the Red River rivalry is uh, a lot of that band tradition. The, the Longhorn, the bo- the Boomer Sooner wagon, uh, but that's more of like. <laughs> Uh, the the show and less of their every you know everyday type of intro. All right, we got a crowded weeknight of ball. We're we're getting it from now until the twenty second of November. I told you guys buckle in. Sun Belt Tuesdays and Mac Wednesdays, Maction, Sun Belt Fun Belt. Um, here's what I got. I got. I think this is in chronological order. Bear with me if it's not. We got Liberty staying undefeated. That that. Uh, that trek continues in my ever following quest to see who can be the most ridiculous on their sideline celebration. We got Liberty player intercepts the ball, goes to the sideline, puts on a Joker mask, like, you know, Heath Ledger style Joker mask, uh, and is then handed a bank robbery bag filled with cash from his uh, strength and conditioning coach, there's no telling whether there's actually money in there or not with how college football is today. Wouldn't be surprised if it was an actual bag filled with money. Um, but I'm sure they're is, gonna in the process of getting an email. Yeah, that is their um future. Yeah, that is their sideline interception celebration. Um, it is twofold mask and then handed a bank <clears throat> robbery bag and then run off into the crowd, yeah, you know, pretend to run away with the bag. So that was great. Liberty wins. It's 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 better when you win. Yeah, the schools last week I was talking about that was they were doing wild stuff. We'll get to another one of them this week. When you lose, I mean, I laugh harder, but it's just like, you know, it it, it it's more fodder for us. Uh, we got Coastal Carolina. They got their first program win at App State, so that's big. App State, I feel like, has been kind of established for a while. Coastal Carolina's been escalating climbing up to to kind of get to that tier of a of a you know group of five Sun Belt type of team so they went to app state and got that victory so big big win there um i'm watching new mexico state and it dawns on me i feel like you know we kind of overlook this from time to time but their mascot, and it's a big logo on the 50-yard line, it's just a mustache, pistol-wielding white man. Like, I don't – I forget what they're – I think they're the Rebels, I think. Like, I forget – or the Lobos. But I feel like that's the Wolf one. So, New Mexico State, I think it's the Rebels. I forget the mascot from time to time. But when you look on the field, it's not even, like, really a cartoonish one. It kind of just looks like, you know, 
a real life white dude with a mustache, a bandana, and two two pistols. Um, and it's just out of context, or people from other countries probably would look at that and be like, "Yeah, that there's America right there, a football team playing on a mustachioed, pistol toting white man." Like that's that's probably what somebody from another country would see college football as and be like, "Huh, what a crazy sport." Yeah, but that about sums it up. <laughs> there's a couple other mascots that are just like you know white dudes just or just like people which i always just find weird when your mascot is just a person like the purdue purdue pete or the you know the spartan where i guess that's kind of cartoonish but purdue pete is just like a a mascot of like a human just a miner just a coal miner human it's just weird uh but anyway uh fiu i was talking about teams that are just going all out but losing i'm here for it fiu it was vice jersey night so i love when miami does similar to the heat those black and pink and and turquoise vice city uh you know uh inspired jerseys i love those i don't know about you i love when the heat wear them i love those color schemes and that 80s aesthetic of the miami vice look are you are you on board with that look let's start there Yeah, man, I think those, those are, I think, I think it's easy to do those incorrectly, but, you know, all of the like throwback, especially Miami looks, um, I'm, I'm here for. Yeah. So, I mean, it looked, I think they did it well. I think it looked good. I think, again, if you're FIU having like a gimmick is cool, you need it. Um, but they didn't just stop at the jerseys. They had a pink and blue Rolls Royce and a Lamborghini on the field. Um, and in the process of losing UTEP on an interception ran over to the Vice City FIU Lamborghini and posed all in front of it with the intercepted football. So this is again an example of your sideline stuff is only cool when you're winning. Otherwise, the other team gets to yeah, make it their thing. So shout out to you, UTEP. I also need to figure out how FIU got to three wins because UTEP was one and five. I don't think they're very good, but they handled uh, on the road an FIU team. So FIU is three and four now, I think. Uh, whoever they got their three wins off of, good, good good for FIU because it doesn't look like there will be many more wins for them moving forward. We got Houston over West Virginia on a Hail Mary. Did you catch that? I think that was Thursday night. Yeah, that was a wild one. Um, both of those teams pretty good. Um, or at least high scoring. I don't, I don't know how good they are, but they have the potential. Yeah, I was reading that 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 Hail Mary could have changed the um coaching outlook for both coaches. Yeah, I mean that was a revenge game, right? You got Dana Dana Holgerson revenge. Dana Holgerson, yeah. So he gets his revenge on West V. Uh, what the, what's his name? Dan Brown or some? It's the most. He is the most innocuous. No one knows who you are. You have had that job for five, six seasons now at West Virginia, and is so on the hot seat every done, year. Done absolutely nothing on the hot seat constantly, but never is moved on from. Um, like who? I, and I can't remember. I feel like it's something Brown, but Dan Brown, somebody, it's just some name. It's like, I don't even remember your name until every year at the end of the season, they ask, should we bring him back? And inevitably they do. 
But um, yeah, that one, I mean, that that might be a backbreaker because those are the type of wins that West Virginia needs to get to get like those respectable seven, eight type season totals. But you look and it's like, well, who'd they lose to? Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Missouri, TCU, and Oklahoma State. So all the good teams, like, yeah, they they only beat bad teams. Um, that Hail Mary was awesome. I was riding high on my parlay, but Eastern uh, Eastern Carolina couldn't score more than 10 points. They just needed to lose by 12. They got stuck on 10. They, it was 14 to 10, and I, I was like, all right, I'll probably cover and I woke up the next morning and it was 31 to 10. So they stopped at 10. Thank you, Eastern Carolina. It was a rough week for my parlays. Also, Boise State crushed one at the end. Uh, I won't even mention it once I get to it. Uh, Dion had a gold plated headset on Friday night. Um, that was cool. The, their loss was not. We'll save some time for that. We might jump into that as the first game. Um, I have to apologize for calling Utah State not good earlier this season. I've repeatedly done that. Apparently, they have one of the best offenses in the country, and they could score the ball. Now, they might not be good at defense, but they've gotten some wins. They, I, I shouldn't have just referred to them as the only thing I know about them as not good. They are better than not good. Um, let's get to this Colorado game real quick. That's the first game I want to start with. They blew a 29-point lead. This is going to be fodder for Dion haters. So I'm going to try to be as objective about this as I can because I don't want to go anywhere near their territory. Um, But I don't know that this is coaching so much as it is your talent level is like that game was the perfect example of, and you could, we could criticize the coaching, but that game is the perfect example of you are on the talent level of Sanford. Like take Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter off of that team, take jerseys away. They're the same team. And we saw that. And that is, I think we should give Colorado more credit for any of the wins that they get moving forward because we now know that they are Stanford. Yeah. Yeah, I think both things can be true. I think there's – we can talk about the overall talent level we have in Colorado and how they have been really outperforming expectations, start the year hot, et cetera. It's hard for me to think of any scenario in which blowing a 29-zip halftime lead is acceptable and not have to be about coaching. So, I yeah, I, I agree with that. And I watched the whole game. I know a lot of people did, did not. I Plenty of which, I, how could you not think, okay, this is over. I'd certainly, the only reason I did, it was a Friday night. I had something on the other screen. So it was on the other screen. So I just kept it on. But I saw it with every play. I'm like, wait a minute, what is happening? Now, can't talk about this game without talking about one of the single best receiver performances I've ever seen in my entire life. Elick. Who is that dude? Elick, Elick, freshman? So Elick Ayo Ayo Mayner. So I assume it's Ayo Mayner. But Elick Ayo Mayner. 
13 receptions, 294 yards, three touchdowns, including what essentially turned out to be the game-winning or put them in position to win the game, catching a football off of Travis Hunter, the best, I'm sorry, Travis Hunter, Henry, the best receiver, or Hunter, Jesus, Travis Hunter is the wide receiver. Travis Hunter caught it off his head. Just mossed him in the end zone. Uh, Hunter was in perfect position, obviously, because the football landed where his helmet was, but just couldn't get turned around in enough time. A.O. Mayner, or I'm just going to call him Ellick. Uh, he's track star speed. Like, he was, he outran. Call on several, him Jerry Rice. On, what is, who yeah, are you talking about? On several occasions, outran the, the you know, uh, Shiloh Sanders, outran Travis Hunter, uh, was the fastest player on the field took several slants just the distance so i have to shout him out what he did in terms of offensively uh so here's the 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 coaching criticism should have been uh double team that guy uh they had another receiver that was going off too so it was tough i i I can't really say anything defensively what they should have done differently because i just i they don't have the personnel it's obvious it's been obvious from week one i even in their win against tcu what i came away saying was they this is it's going to be tough they are out man they are small they it, you know it's just going to be hard um i think again it's acceptable for them to lose to stanford how it happened there's probably some 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 coaching that could come into question i guess offensively what I would question, and maybe this is part of they don't have the size. Establishing a run game, not going three and out so often, like they they were passing it quite a quite often. Um I should I should pull the 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 stats from that game up for Shadors. Um you know how many times he threw the ball, but it felt like a lot. And it felt like when they had the lead, they couldn't really get a drive or run established. So I don't want to get too too deep into that game. Um, but I mean, we, we kind of disagreed on, you know, you said if they didn't win the rest of their games and I get, we kind of maybe came to an agreement that if they didn't win the rest of their game, that they would have still had a successful season. And I only pushed back with saying if they were to lose out, given what we've seen, we've seen that they could score on a TCU. TCU is making Colorado's win look better and better with each week. Um, like I at absolutely first, at first we thought maybe TCU is not going to have a good season, but you know TCU is fine. Uh, Colorado played really well offensively, and you know there's a lot of emotion and all that. But I, I just I just think that was one of those wins that if you're you know saying that for me I was like they that's a you got to have that one win. All right, I I would hate to see them go the rest of the way and not win again like it is possible right but i figured they would win against arizona state and stanford but now goes ucla oregon state arizona washington state utah they could they could lose all those games right at which point the whole bowl game bowl eligible like which is what i thought they could be is now in jeopardy so like that is just that was the most concerning part letting up 46 granted it went overtime but 46 against stanford um Stanford's offense ain't putting up 46 against you know anybody like not even close um so that, that it was just it was a little concerning in terms of okay 
they're even further away with the talent than I thought. And it is now conceivable that they could not win another game. But I just don't want to be lumped in with haters. I'm just being a realist with just looking at kind of what's in front of me or what's in front of them, really. Yeah, I mean, losing out is one thing. Uh, historic collapses is another. Yeah. You know, when you lose games in this fashion, that, that significantly, I think, changes how people feel about the the win or the loss. Um, Stanford, from everything I've seen so far, is also not a good team. They're not. Uh, they haven't had an offensive output like this. So uh, this is a bad loss. Yeah, and it's tough. I lost it. I don't think they should have had. Nope. I mean, and he kind of he kind of called it the week earlier being disgusted. And I said, just be happy with your wins, in part because I was like, you don't know when you're going to get another one. But he, he was not happy with how they looked against Arizona State, knowing Arizona State's not very good. And if that's the struggle that it was against them, that that just wasn't good enough. And, you know, I agreed with that. But I also felt just – Take take the wins because you know you got six good players, um, so there's there's just a bigger gap that he has to get. You know, there's 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 a gap that is bigger than we thought based on maybe the first three or four games. Um, I what think- did you make of what he said post game around players potentially not loving football or not wanting it enough? Did you buy that? Um. I I feel like he is honest in the the sense of I don't think he would say that as a motivation tactic or I you know I don't think he would say it if it wasn't true. Let me say that. Um, I now I might not agree with is it the time and place to say it publicly, it, um, but that is kind of also his style. His whole style is everything I do, including telling the former players that you're about to be replaced by new players will be public it will be on instagram it will be on social media so he's very consistent with doing everything public facing um so i guess i can't really criticize for that um but it also you know it's a it's a tone change from do you believe now and how about that and it's personal um and again i don't want to be lumped into the haters but the haters at that time were the ones that were saying you maybe relax because Colorado State, you know, maybe they're a little, uh, you know, I think they're decent. Their offense is at least good. Nebraska, not good. Got shellacked by Oregon. I think the USC comeback maybe gave people some false hope a little bit uh, just because, A, you know, never judge anything based off USC's defense. And B, um, you know, we, we've now seen even – what USC's offense can look like up against a better defense. So I I just, you know, I think it's a fair, fair to coach to, to criticize Zion at this point for coaching tactics, maybe who he's playing or where he's playing them. Um, I think it's fair to criticize this tone change with the post game, but I I'm just would say that, that he is consistent about everything kind of being public. And being honest and whatever he feels he's going to say, um, 
positive or negative. And so sometimes that can swing with with wins and losses, I guess. But this is what people want to see when they're not winning. How does not only he handle it, um, but you know, how does the team handle it? And they'll they'll get opportunities to pretty much be underdogs the rest of the way and prove us not us necessarily, but prove people wrong. Um, you know, going into three tough road games and a bunch of ranked opponents, uh, they'll they'll be dogs and they'll get a chance to to build off of this for whatever is next year, right? There has to be some kind of a culture set for the remainder of this year if this is to grow in Colorado. So that's going to be the important part to watch. All right. That was a lot more time on Colorado than I thought, but it was good. Good job. Good conversation. Um, Let's get to the is for real because for me, no change because Washington got got the win. I think we might have had a conversation if they didn't. But for me, my four and and Georgia, I mean, if you want to have a Georgia conversation, we can. But I I think I've I've said my piece about Georgia. Brock Bowers being out, now we can have a different conversation moving forward. Uh, if they lose, we'll talk about them. Uh, but until I see them lose, especially without Brock Bowers, then I'm keeping them out of this conversation. I'm going uh, Ohio State four or uh, Ohio State four, Oklahoma three, Florida State two, Washington one. Yeah, I think the Brock Bowers injury is significant on several fronts. It's significant because of the eye test and because he is a Heisman candidate, but also. Uh, he accounts for, I think, like a quarter of their uh, offense. Yeah. Thinking about rushing and receiving. And they have some talent behind them, but I don't think you can just replace Brock Bowers and also the chemistry he has with the quarterback. So um, I'm really interested to see what happens with Carson Beck in that offense without him for these next few weeks, uh, especially because some of those games are going to actually matter. Yep. A hundred percent. And I, they said no timetable for now. I did see he's getting surgery so that I can, you know, confirm, but, um, or I did not report. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, then you have gotten the update on Brock Bowers, but yeah, he's, he's, there's no timetable, but he's getting surgery and it's an ankle. So that's, there is a return. It's just a matter of at that size, at that position with a future to consider, how early is he going to push it? How is he going to look? And like you said, the tougher part of their schedule, which still on the easier side, it, all things considered, is coming up. So it it does bear monitoring. But for you, I know our, our only varying teams, and this is a conversation we're definitely definitely going to have soon. Maybe this uh, this episode we'll get to it. Um, you still have Michigan as the the fourth team instead of Ohio State, where I have, but then we 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 have the same other three with uh, Oklahoma, Florida State, and Washington, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, Heisman House. We had some movement. Um, shout out to to Des Desmond Howard was wilding on College Game Day. Um, his name is is pronounced Michael Penix, like Pen, Penix. Um, so to to go out of the way 
I feel like Dez just wanted to say penis on television. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I he just wanted to say big penis. <laughs> he just wanted to say big penis energy, and he decided that this was how he was going to do it. He tried to get a crowd chanting it, and then he high fived the mascot after it. It was it was classic college game day. Um, but you know what's happening is that you know with Pat. Shout McAfee, out to College Game Day, also all those students out there at six o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, local time. Game day. Local time. They probably didn't sleep in the night before too. Um, but local time, yeah. So College Game Day or what's after. Ha- what's happening? Yeah, definitely not. What's happening is with with Lee Corso. You know, it's it, it's 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 the final lap. It's he he's on his final victory tour, and Desmond Howard and Pat McAfee. These guys realize like. Somebody's got to fill the void in the lane for wild antics and just saying whatever. So um, shout out to you, Desmond Howard. But you're not slick. You just said penis a bunch of times. You weren't saying Michael Penix. Uh, So Michael Penix, far and away, lead dog in the Heisman house right now. Um, I got Caleb Williams dropping two slots not taking him completely out of the race the guy has his first bad game in like 24 games in a row um so i'm not going to completely take him out but i'm gonna drop him down two slots i'm gonna move Jaden daniels up into that second slot like i know they have the two losses but just on an individual award performance uh this kid has not missed a week in terms of just you know performing balling out um Bo Nix. Not afraid of the smoke. Yeah. yeah. Game is going out there. He's balling. Certain, no matter who he's playing. Certain other people who sound similar to Jaden, but are actually Jalen Daniels. Uh can't can't say the same. But yeah, Jaden Daniels is out there. Uh Bo Nix, even in a loss, that wasn't because of him. Um I I got him still in the race. So I got him what he's on the couch. Jane Daniels gets his own room. Michael Penick. I mean, uh, Caleb is downstairs now. First time he's been downstairs in a while. Uh, Penix in the, in the master bedroom. Um, you know, Brock Bowers got hurt. He was our only non quarterback positional player that we were you know, saying was really kind of, of, of worthy of consideration. We'll see what happens this weekend with Marvin Harrison jr. This could be a moment where, you know, if he has uh, one of those games, then maybe he gets in gets in that non-quarterback slot. But for now, it is a quarterback race. Um, and Michael Penix, to me, is far and away in the lead. All right, I got updated Kings of Virginia and Florida. I'm going to run through. I was going to say, oh, the name I didn't hear that I think already had a high oh, moment is Dylan Gabriel. Yes, sorry. Um, You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, we we did say he has a, a good to see that he's a, he's in there. Yeah, I think um, you know he he could probably be where that Bo Nix slot maybe is, um, or if Caleb Williams has another poor performance and a loss, he would you know maybe fall out of the race. Um, just for this you know this season and this conversation, but you're right. That was a that was an omission by me. Good call. I'm gonna run through the. Everyone is worth that. I don't know if we're talking about him later, but that for me, that Caleb Williams game was fully expected. If not at Notre Dame, at at some point, given his style of play, and given the fact that USC has been really skating by some of these mediocre teams. Yeah, I mean, we can. I'll I'll hit it a little bit now. I'm. I'll probably hit it for the environment, but yeah, we can. It, 
It's the Caleb Williams show. We talked about this last week. Nothing outside of Caleb Williams would make you, and you know, Zachariah Branch is a great player. Nothing outside of Caleb Williams would make you put this team in the top anything, top 25, let alone 10 and 5, which they've been at points in this season. So Notre Dame's one of the better defenses in the country. Um, like you said, this, you know, their D-line, their secondary, not a surprise. I did now what I I guess I shouldn't say not a surprise. I said that I thought USC could put the hurt on Notre Dame in part because, A, I was banking on Notre Dame will just be emotionally drained from the gauntlet that they've just ran. And B, but clearly the the rivalry game and getting up for that, clearly they they were able to put that Louisville game behind them very quickly and turn it on right when they needed for USC. So shout out to Freeman and their coaching staff for that. So I was wrong there. But the bigger surprise was Notre Dame's defense doing that to Caleb. I knew Notre Dame Notre Dame's defense was good, um, but getting and I knew they would probably get pressure, but getting pressure that often um, and you know forcing that many turnovers just didn't expect to, you know that level. Um, so just that was super impressive. I don't know that there's much more to say other than we've known that USC has three or four losses, maybe even four, but you know, at least three. We both agreed on that. We've seen this kind of coming. Uh, there's more losses coming for USC. I would just like to see Caleb Williams uh, you know, bounce back next week, but that's I think he has earned, if he has not earned a, a bad game or a poor performance, nobody has. I'll just say that. Yeah, he's definitely earned, I think, a few bad performances, even if he's not going to repeat as a Heisman winner. Yeah. Uh, um, and all the credit in the world goes to Notre Dame defense. And like you said, the press they created and just the environment they cultivated on Saturday. Yep. Um, what I – I say the result was expected, and it was going to happen eventually because of what we've been talking about for a few weeks now, which is Caleb Williams gets into these – mode sometimes where he throws it across the middle. Yep. He throws off his back foot, just gets gets sloppy with some of the off script stuff that he does. And it and it hasn't gotten into a lot of trouble at this point, but it wasn't gonna eventually and we saw what would have been incompletions, even completions in prior weeks become picks, become interceptions, become sats on Saturday. And like I said, I just I wasn't was not surprised at all when it finally caught up to him. Yeah, it's predictable in the sense that particularly if they get in a hole or if they're losing, he's going to then try to throw the cape on even more and and do it himself. Um, so part of why I don't worry, and I don't want to go too deep in Caleb Williams' analysis, but part of what doesn't worry me is because I do feel like if if in a situation where he is better supported, I think he knows how to just take what's there and not give the ball away. But I feel like he knows on this team they they go as he goes and his off schedule plays and throws and those big plays if you take those off the table for usc again i don't think we're talking about a a, a ranked team right we're, we're just we're talking about a team uh, with an explosive offense um but yeah i just think he he is certainly in a scenario like this was going to overcompensate and like we said, he's he's earned it. Um, we've seen enough, but we are also not surprised that one of these games comes and and you know invites them. Uh, so we'll see next week. Who do they have next week? Um, they dropped all the way to eighteen, which 
Seems harsh, but I guess that's how it looked. Now they got to turn around and play Utah, which, as far as a tough defense goes, they got they have a rough. Don't get no tougher. Yeah, it's it's Utah. Don't get tougher than that. Cal, which is a, a, a offense that is going to give them troubles, and then Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. So that is a rough, rough, rough slate. Um, so they could, you know, again, conceivably lose four out of their last five. You know, maybe they go three and two, maybe two and three. Uh, but it's a tough schedule to say the least. All right, let me run through Kings of Virginia and Florida since I've updated them now. Which state are you most interested in, Virginia or Florida? It's probably Florida just because there's just so many, so many confusing teams. Yeah, Florida's confusing. (laughs) Florida's been tougher to keep track of. Here's what we got Florida State's been the only not, well, two teams have been not confusing Florida State and FAMU. Shout out to FAMU, they're five and one. Uh, they've been the two consistent teams. Florida has shout now, out to the Rattlers, man. Yeah, shout That's out to the Rattlers. Family has gotten there. Uh, Florida has now climbed up to five and two. So respect there. Billy Napier's got this thing going in the right direction. Big win on the road in South Carolina. Uh, Miami, Mario Cristobal. Yikes, 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 yikes. That's still leftover yikes from Georgia Tech. Um, but also, yeah, the Miami game didn't go great. Um they're four and two. It it could get worse there in Miami. We'll see. UCF also can't get right. I feel like losing their quarterback didn't help, but they're three and three. FAU three and three. FIU, Vice City jerseys, notwithstanding three and four. South Florida three and four. And Bethune Cookman bringing up the rear there at one and five. Uh, Virginia, Virginia's been pretty consistent. Um, I've left them out for a couple of weeks, but I checked back in. Virginia State, uh, HBCU seven and zero. Oh. They're they're probably the best HBCU in the country right now in terms of their rankings. So shout out to VSU. Um, it's them and, and Florida's uh, A&M pretty much at the top there. So when the playoffs uh, ultimately start, those are some two teams to watch out for. Uh, James Madison and Liberty, both 6-0, both fighting for the two best Free teams. JMU. Two, two best teams. Yeah, JMU should be bowl eligible. They should be playoff conversation eligible. Uh, they are what Virginia – was in terms of just you know uh the in-state school except they have the easier admission rates and they're probably a little bit cheaper uh but they got a great party scene they got a great football stadium now that they've added on to uh they are playing winning football like the jmu party is for real same thing down at liberty uh william and mary four and two richmond four and three hampton three and three odu three and three vmi three and three Virginia Tech is fighting to get back to 300. They are three, I'm sorry, 500. They're three and four. Norfolk, two and four. And Virginia did get their one win. They were off this week. They are one and five. Um, All right, first team I'll name. There's a lot to choose from because I've just written so many down. But this one hit me on Friday night. I heard it earlier in the season. Wasn't sure I heard it correctly. Glad I heard it again. There's a linebacker on Colorado whose name is Jordan Dominant. Their defense is not dominant but that's a great name nonetheless particularly for a linebacker was that a a, a misnomer what you call it that's a his paradox. name that is his name jo- yeah oh yeah that's a paradox yes <laughs> jordan the jordan dominant linebacker for a very very subpar defense that maybe he's individually what- dominant i don't know he his name gets called a lot, so I will say that. Like whenever I watch their games, I hear Jordan Dominant announced often. Dominant so on the play. He yeah he is he, dominant on the tackle. <laughs> dominant tackle. Dominant makes the play. 
So he's 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 he that's that's I guess a good sign. It's probably good, but his name is awesome. Uh, also, because it's coming up this weekend, the the big Ohio State Penn State matchup. Oh, uh, Penn State has a lineman whose name is Chop Robinson. Simply Chop. Uh, he did a celebration this weekend that he called the Chop Flop. So I can't wait to see maybe if he breaks that out against Ohio State. I think it was a personal one for whichever team they're playing. But Chop Robinson this weekend is going to be playing in a big spot. All right, let's get environments in. Let's get through them quick. 12 o'clock window. Michigan just – Michigan, what they did to Indiana – is a is a crime. Indiana would be right, <laughs> would be would not be wrong to press charges there. Um, good thing they're in the Big Ten, getting that Big Ten money, because yeah, Michigan came through just mud puddle, stomped a stomped a mud puddle through them, just smoked uh, them and went home too, just so super casually. Yep, yeah, just just really real casual. So that one was just it, it's hard. I keep not putting Michigan in this top four, but I'm gonna have to do it soon. It's just I feel like I'm being stubborn because I'm being stubborn because I haven't played anyone. But it 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 when they do, I I think they have the potential to do what they've been doing to all the no ones that they've played so far. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I know they're good and and it's it's clear. Um, there was fall. One of the few top teams that have consistently smoked people. Yeah, yeah, like they were up there with. They were up there resume, with, like they've been taking care of business. They were up there with Washington, and like, why? You know, Washington now played the Oregon, but like Washington was that other team where it's every week we're hanging fifty or forty, and it's not close, and it doesn't matter who it is. Um, all right, Eastern Michigan was playing. Their field is already like a gray field, and they were playing in some really foggy conditions. We had a couple fall games. The game basically looked like it was in black and white because the field is already makes it look like it's in black and white. And then there was fog at a certain point. I had to turn the TV off because I just felt like I was back in time. Um, Kent state, they are not good. I'm very, very firm and okay. Calling Kent state, not just not good. Uh, They had to try something. They're on the road at EMU. So they try to onside kick for their very first play of the game. Try to surprise them. Eastern Michigan Michigan returned it for a touchdown. It was in Eastern Michigan, took that and immediately ran it back for a touchdown. I have to think if you're Kent State and the big thing that the coaching staff had you hype about all week was you're going to catch them off guard with this onside kick and then we're going to go down the field and we're going to score and we're going to upset them. And then you kick it and they return the onside kick immediately for a touchdown in four seconds that you're probably checked out for the rest of that game. And that's what it looked like. Um Rutgers. You don't lose anyway. Why not? No, I mean I respect I it. Like, like it. I said, you got to try something. It didn't work. It and it didn't work the most spectacular way. It couldn't have not worked, but it didn't work. Uh, Rutgers. They were home favorites against Michigan State, and I've decided I'm never betting on Rutgers again. But they actually ended up. Um, I think they came back, and I think they might have covered the spread. I'm not sure. But I was just they shocked came back. They, well, I know they came back. I don't know if they covered the spread. I, I know they came back. Shiano, wait for you. Or, you know, but um, yeah, and Gavin Wimsett, you know, he's fun quarterback to watch. They're they're they are they are East Coast Iowa, is what Wisconsin is. I mean, is what Rutgers is is setting out to be. They're just trying to play good defense, don't want the ball really that long, don't make us work that hard on offense. Uh it's our special teams. So like 
yeah, shout out to you, Rutgers. They're the closest college football program to where I live. I would never go watch a game. Support it. <laughs> I would never, I would never go watch a game, but they are the birthplace of college football. So shout out to you. Um, that was the game actually of the diesel mascot off because you just had the Rutgers mascot, which is some kind of scarlet knight, but it's not like a knight suit. It's like a just a, a white dude in a knight costume, and then the Spartan. So at one point they were just having a diesel off in their costumes, like lifting a the the Spartan was lifting a weight, and uh, the the Rutgers scarlet knight was like doing push ups. It was weird. Uh, Syracuse at FSU, that one was wire to wire, not close or competitive at all. Keon Coleman, catch of the year for sure. Um, it, it got so bad, Gabby was watching with me. She asked to turn it off. Just We had four, four games on one of the many screens that I have, and she was offended that that game was taking up one of the screens. I was like, I'm I'm trying to watch it because they oh, had, like a true Syracuse. They had, yeah, I'm like, and she didn't even go there, but their school was close to there, so I get it. But um, you know, they they had the the command cam where you get the all 22 cam. So I was like, I'm trying to watch. Y'all you know, really want to see Travis Hen- uh, Hunter or no? Sorry, Hunter, Travis. Who is it? Travis Hunter is the player from Colorado. <laughs> quarterback. He is Travis Hunter, yes. The quarterback. The quarterback is Travis Hunter. Yes. So I was trying to watch him and you know all 22 tape. And I wanted to, I'm like, yeah, I get to get to see that, do some NFL evaluating more or less. Get to see that that angle that you rarely get to see. But the game got out of hand, so we had to turn that one off. Uh Florida State continues to roll along. They got a couple of these games here, I think, coming up that should be very easily winnable before they play Duke, right? I think Duke's the next tough test for them. But they should have, you know, some some winnable games up until then. Uh, and Riley, Well, they need to because there's enough good teams where Florida State takes a loss and they're out the playoff. Yeah, definitely. And, like, they have one of the easier or most, you know, most controlling their way type of path. So it's 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 there for them, for sure. Uh, Georgia Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt got up early. Can't expect Georgia to really get up for Vanderbilt. Like, 12 o'clock kickoff at construction in the end zone Vanderbilt for two-time national champ Georgia. You can't expect them to get up for that. They should have. Andy was running all over yeah, them at the beginning of the game. You can't, you can't expect them to get up for that. It's just like I, I've I've tried to explain this to people. You can't – like you're, you're going for a three-peat. All these games, just you're not going to be hype the same for all of them. Just not possible. Can't happen. When Ole Miss comes to town, we're up. We're ready. Let's go. But I'm just t- – there are going to be some sleepy starts at 12 o'clock at Vanderbilt. They come back, they win. I'm not – the only concern is Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers is healthy. I'm just – I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not concerned about Georgia. If anything changes, fine. But, you know, we'll see what they look like without Brock Bowers. That's obviously a, a very different conversation. But at the time, Brock Bowers was not hurt. I'm just not concerned about them. Uh, yeah, I, I understand people not being concerned. They gave up a lot of points to Vanderbilt. That's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I just I just know – I don't know it at the Georgia level or at, at the D1 college football level, but I certainly know at a, a level what 
going two straight seasons of trying to go undefeated and win a championship. And I know when it's insert school here week where it's like, hey, if so-and-so is kind of banged up, eh, we're not going to play him that often. Don't really need him in this game. Like, eh, we'll be fine. It's Vanderbilt. So I just I just know that you're not going to get Georgia's best game week in and week out while they're on this quest. All these other teams are trying to do something for the first time. Georgia's on the third lap of this. Unlike the, the culture, the fans, the coaches, because unlike what happens to the pros, like it's a very different roster year to year. So it's not like everyone was there last year either. Yeah, it's different. But I so just, I'm curious about the hangover effect when you're not dealing with the same team. It's a for for the carryover because very rarely are you in a room where no one's there. So even if it's not guys that played a bunch, there's almost always a class or a holdover left over. And I would imagine at the Georgia level or at an Alabama level, the culture that is there that as soon as you're day one freshman stepping into the building with how you lift, how you watch film, how you practice, how you eat, how you everything, a championship level culture of that like that permeates regardless of class, regardless of those rotations. It's how you get Alabama dominant 12, 13 years in a row because it's it's Saban, his staff, every three or four years. Now, the turnover might be more so in today's college football, but there's always turnover. It's the the culture and the institution and the staff that kind of sets that. So, again, um, Georgia, we'll, when we have something to talk about, we'll talk about it. Right now, the only thing to talk about is Brock Bauer's health and when we see them play with that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Iowa State, Cincinnati. I still don't think Matt Campbell should get any jobs because of how they looked when he had Brees Hall and Brock Birdie, but they did get the win. They do always seem to get their like seven, six, seven, eight wins a year. Uh, And winning at Cincinnati is kind of how they get to that. I'm, I'm still... I still think Cincinnati is good, right? Um, I have a little transitive property, I think, later on that I'm very confused about that I need your help with. But I still think those are two good teams, or at least solid teams. Um, but Matt Campbell, no jobs. The the Brisaw and Brock Brady are, are too good in the NFL for them to have not been better in the Pac-12. I mean, in the, in the Big 12. Uh, Georgia Southern, JMU. JMU remains unbeaten. Georgia Southern was a really good team. They dog walked them. It was never close. I That was the one game I did very well on this week. Spread was minus five. JMU won something like 41 to six. It was it was at no point a game. Uh, we had a big man with a football on number 99. James Carpenter tipped down a pass and made the interception. Almost got the touchdown. Um, but what JMU has done for Virginia or in Virginia, um, once they are able to be bowl eligible and playoff conversation, like I just Virginia's a talent rich state. We say it all the time. It sounds ridiculous, but the more like we see it, they're the best team in the state of Virginia. And uh, I can't wait for them to prove it on a national stage at some point. I mean, they've already beat Virginia, Virginia tech. Like they already beat both of those teams. So I don't know other than getting to a bowl. I don't know what people want. Somewhat counter what I was saying earlier. I do appreciate the term uh, thick six in reference to big bed touchdowns. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. 
no, that one's fine. That one's fine. Thick is, you could say thick. I just don't think a grown man or adult anywhere, tush, is like, I do, we don't even say that here. Like, I feel like that's something maybe British people or something. We like, don't I, I don't even know. say that. We here. don't even say that. So I, I don't I don't know. But yeah, thick six I'm here for. So we almost had a thick six. Um, last one for the 12 o'clock window, Alabama, Arkansas. Um, that gave just a lot of red. From a color standpoint, it's too much red for me. But um, that was you. You texted me this. This is this was the Arkansas team that you know I've said could could eventually pop up and get somebody in terms of they have that potential. KJ Jefferson really bald, um, but they just couldn't couldn't seal the deal at the end. Jalen Milrow, the deep ball from Jalen Milrow is top five most exciting things in college football. Like there's a lot of deep ball throwers, but his like just the trajectory, the touch, he had a 79 yarder that really broke open the scoring there. Um, yeah. He thought he does a pretty ball fun to watch. And I feel like we talked about this in terms of Tommy Reese and that coaching staff calling, getting better with calling the games for his strengths, the play actions, getting them moving out of the pocket, let him take those deep shots, letting them run. And you're seeing just yep. with each game, he's more and more yep. comfortable in the offense. They're not beating themselves. They you know, that 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 is a game where Arkansas, the talent difference, it's not much. Like Alabama is is this is the rare game where they're not overwhelmingly more talented than Arkansas, uh, but they got them. You know, coaching in the margins, just slightly smarter and and better football. So they're it's almost more fun to watch them have to i don't want to say earn it but just win it in a different way we're so used to alabama just having 11 nfl players for them to just have to win games like 99 percent of college football teams is it's just been fun to watch for me yeah it's something i appreciate as a fan um you know we all know what nick Saban does best coach in history of the sport um i think this is a good coaching job for him yeah like, this is not the same Alabama teams that we've had, and they're just finding ways to win. And in some instances, games they shouldn't win. So, yeah, shout out. Shout out to him. Shout out to them. For sure. All right. Full full disclosure, we took a little pause, and actually it was perfect timing because what I saw while we paused was Travis Hunter. Uh, he does a weekly you know, podcast or video hit for Bleacher Report, breaking down the game prior. Uh, so that is new age college football for sure. But it's great access in terms of hearing directly from him. So I saw the Dion clip. I just saw him talking about it um, and kind of talking about, well, you know, they had pra- a tough practice the next day, what Dion told them in the locker room. And seeing the Dion thing now more, because I had just read what he said, seeing it now, um, you know, I I think what he said is fair. It's like, do you love something or do you like something? And um, to ask for the love level of commitment, full disclosure, full transparency, there are plenty of college football players who do not love football. They're just very good at it, and it pays for school. And there are NFL players who don't love God, who don't love professional football, but it pays the bills. Um, so, you know, to ask for a level of commitment that Dion has, probably tough, but... Um, yeah, I just, just saw the whole thing and then just heard Travis Hunter speak on it a little bit. So I think the team seems to be in lock and step with with him. And it seems like he's just going to wait out or weed out the people who are less committed than the people who are more committed. So um, I'm in full support of that. 
Yeah. All right. So where are we? Yeah, back to the coach. We think I don't know how much of it is. Uh, I'll say there are limits to how much effort and want to can overcome talent gaps in size, especially in the trenches. So let's keep an eye on it. Yeah, that's true. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to conflate those two things. There might be a lack of commitment from some players on the team. There was the whole Cormani McLean not not playing for the first three or four weeks of the season, and Dion openly stated because he doesn't watch film because I track weekly film hours. He doesn't his is not at the same level, so he's called individuals out. So there is a difference between losing because you're not committed enough, and then losing because of other reasons. And maybe the Stanford loss was a little column A, a little column B like a little bit because the talent gap is not there, but also, you know, maybe the focus level wasn't there. Maybe guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing off the field hours wise, film wise, you know, I don't know, but it, like you said, bears monitoring. All right, but let's get back where we were three. We were, we were in the environment section, three o'clock window. Um, Texas Southern played Bethune Cookman. That was my HBCU game of the week. I watched a couple too. I saw Tennessee State um, play Norfolk State. Steve McNair getting those. Uh, actually, rest in peace, Steve McNair. Sorry, Eddie George. I, I think of those two very, very much together. Uh, Eddie George getting those boys above 500. Uh, so shout out Eddie George and the job he's doing at Tennessee State. That's Eddie George. Um, Maryland, that wasn't good. Um, that like I was expecting a bounce back. Like, okay, you can't beat Ohio State. No one holds that against you. But you can't turn around and lose to Illinois because now anybody who even thought like maybe we should respect Maryland, all respect is now lost. Um, you lost to to Illinois, and you know, Michael Oxley. As soon as you get another offer, get the hell out of there. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Um. I think the most entertaining thing that happened in that game was, you know, the thing when the punt is like rolling and pretty much stop moving and the other team tries to push a player into the yeah. dead ball, which you can't do. It's not allowed. I don't know why people still do this. I don't understand how that hasn't been coached out of the game yet, but six guys from Maryland basically tried to pick up an Illinois player and throw him into the ball. Usually you see like one or two people or one person try. I've never seen six people be like, all right, let's just take this one guy and let's throw him into the football, which of course they did, but it, it doesn't count. And I just think it's, it's entertaining, but I'm surprised every time I see it that people don't know the rule. Yeah. The other, like, why is this still happening play for me is people jumping over the line on field goals. Yeah. Over the center. Y'all, it's a personal <laughs> foul every time. Why do you over, keep doing this? Over the center. They're every good time. to see it. <laughs> you're right there. Yeah, you're right there flying through the air. We see you. Um, jumping over the center in the air. Yeah. Um, those two, I mean, that one, at, at least it's like, I'm, I'm trying to make an athletic play. I'm trying to go Superman. Maybe you just, you lose your mind or you lose your head a little bit. The ball is dead, and let me push a guy into it. Like, that one is the one that's like, have you ever seen that work? Have you ever seen when someone pushes someone else into the ball and, oh, now he touched the punt so we can recover it? It's never happened. At least I've seen someone block a, a field goal. It's just either way, yeah, that's a good call, though. Both, let's get both of those coached out of the game real quick. Get him out. Um, 
the only thing I'm going to say about Iowa on this program, uh, though they are single-handedly trying to set the sport back, they might end up being one of the representatives in the Big Ten championship because there are no yep. more conferences. So, like, we just, might all, we just might all have to deal Go with that. Figure. Well, here, who Ferentz Jr. not getting a raise because he hasn't scored 25 points, like, I don't, since I don't know when. So he's not getting his incentive. Now he'll get to keep his job because of nepotism. But they had and get to keep his bowl money, like he's gonna be fine. Oh, yeah, because they're gonna go to yeah, bowl games and yeah, all that good stuff. But um, so get ready, just you know, it, it sucks, but everybody just get ready for that. That might happen. But they had in six drives, three yards of offense, six straight drives, three yards of offense. Now I know everyone bashes. <laughs> I, I'm just here to say, I think everybody looks, I, I think I said this last year too. Everyone looks at the current Ferentz thing all wrong. Um, what he does is amazing. He is anti-points, anti-give-me-the-football, anti-yards, anti-offense. His dangerous weapons are his punter and his defense, and he wins eight to nine games every year. He will pin you down, and he He's, will shut you out. It's amazing. Like I I, think yeah. I go the other way on it. People are like, this is terrible. Get him out. Replace. Oh, my God. It's actually amazing. And there are some other schools, I'm not going to name names, but they should maybe be better. Like, there's no excuse for some of these other schools if Iowa can do what they do. A lot of other coaches need to be looking themselves in the mirror and asking some hard questions. Like, how is a man who does everything that is the opposite of football so much more successful than all of you? I don't understand it. But shout out to – actually, not shout out. Just – they exist and they're gonna be in the Big Ten picture, and we just all have to get over it. I live with it. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Tennessee got a big, big win. I mean, Texas A and M is looking more and more inept by the week. But as far as Tennessee goes, this is like one of their few chances, really, uh, to get like what could appear as a quality win. Right? They get to play Bama later, but um, you know, this helps them stay ranked. I don't really know. Tennessee's defense, actually, it, it seems to have flip-flopped from last year where their defense last year couldn't stop anyone and their offense was unstoppable. This year, their defense is really good and their offense is trash. So um, Tennessee finding a way to win games, just not in the way that we would all think coming into this year based off of last year. But they're hanging around. How ironic is that we're talking about Texas A&M right after we're talking about Iowa. See that like both I, <laughs> anemic offenses like we have Bobby Petrino, we have uh, Jimbo, supposed to be like quarterback whisperer slash offensive gurus. Offense looks bad. That's an example. I didn't want to, like I said, I don't want to say any names, but there's a perfect example of if Kirk Ferentz can win nine games at Iowa with no offense and not touching the ball and not wanting the ball. What is number right, one? Want the ball. What is number one recruiting class in the nation? Jimbo Fisher's excuse exactly. Like how how he's not going to win? What is this? The sixth year of his te Texas A and M stint, they will once again not win ten games. It's already mathematically impossible. Uh, he's had two of the best recruiting classes of the last three years, and Kirk Ferentz is the one who will go nine and two every year. So I just make that make sense to me. You can't. Kirk Ferentz is amazing. Uh, back to these games. BYU at TCU. 
um this was the all right this was my transitive property like i need help making sense of this all right because i i think both of these teams are solid like i said tcu is making that colorado win look better with every week uh but they blew byu out of the water right BYU I thought was pretty good because they beat Cincinnati, who I thought was good because they look good against Oklahoma, who we know is good. But then Cincinnati lost to Iowa State, who lost to Iowa, which then breaks my whole transitive property in half because I don't know what to do with the loss to Iowa. I just I don't know what to do. Obviously, we said they're good, but Iowa's offense never looked more explosive than it did that day against Iowa State. So I don't really know what to make of any of those teams I just list. BYU, TCU, Cincinnati, Iowa State. The only team I know is good is Oklahoma, and that's why I thought Cincinnati was good because they kept it close. But I don't know anything about any of those teams anymore, so I just wanted to admit that. I mean, losing to Iowa is always tough because their defense is so good and their special teams are really good. Their offense is so anemic that you can't lose to Iowa and not look bad. Yeah, because they they'll just they punted you to death or they field gold field gold you to death if you lost to Iowa. Like we already know that's how you lost. You're not gonna score twelve points. No. So that means I, you scored nine. I think that I think <laughs> they seven. scored I think they scored a whopping twenty and I think they held Iowa State. This is off memory. I think they held Iowa State to ten or thirteen. So I think it was one of those and that's a high scoring game for Iowa. 20 points. Yeah, they had a defensive touchdown that game too. Yeah, that was El Asico. So that was uh that was yeah, that was that was bad. Um all right. Next game, Kansas, Oklahoma State. No Jaden Daniels. No surprise. Sorry, no Jalen Daniels. Jaden Daniels plays in big Oklahoma State's been playing well. Gundy's turning them around, so not surprised. Yep. We we don't want to see them. Don't want to see them. You know, we always say Gundy uh He's going to get to his eight or nine wins. He's the Mike Zalman of college football in just the, the coaching results, not in any other way, but in the coaching results way of how at the end of every season, does he have eight wins? He's going to yeah. get to it. So these, these are those wins. The, the ceiling to be clear. Hasn't had the big wins that Mike Tomlin has. Oh yeah. No, no. championships, but no, 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 no. Year in, year out, regular season. Yes. But they were in what? They were in the Fiesta Bowl not that long. What was that? Two years ago, they were in a New Year's Six game. They, I think they, they were one loss or maybe one loss Big Twelve team. Like they had one of the, like every ten years they'll have one of those. But yeah, um, I just I've been saying my finals to correct people recently. Oh, the the Mike Tomlin of this, the Greg Popovich of this. Like no, these these folks have rings. Yeah, so yeah, unless yeah. you have a ring. Come I correct. Think, I think it was a good comp in the sense of like. No matter what, you turn around and even if Kenny Pickett's their quarterback and their defense doesn't seem to be able uh-huh. to stop anybody, they hold the Ravens to eight points and now they're three and two atop the division. Like it's that it's that whole thing. So yeah, yeah, I get what people are saying. That's Gundy. Like Gundy is like you turn around and you look, it's like, huh? How'd they get to the nine wins in the Big Twelve? Like, don't worry about it. It, it, they just they just do and it's like these games like this they'll beat a kansas they'll beat some of these other teams and they'll get their eight or nine wins and then they'll lose to south alabama and these other teams <laughs> and they yeah. beat oklahoma and it's like how'd that what <laughs> <laughs> yeah watch out for bedlam make it make they, sense because they could get oklahoma but then conversely kansas state is going to beat them by 35 points the next week you just never know um all right, Florida at South Carolina was a really fun game. 
Uh, both those teams needed it because South Carolina, like, you know, beating Florida could kind of be like a, a I guess a season saving, but just, you know, that's a, a, a monument or staple win of your season. When you're a, a team that's just kind of playing for a bowl game at this point, beating your rivals or beating those big schools, like that's, that's your, the height of what you're going to do in a year like that. So South Carolina, this is a big one for them. Florida, big road win, last second touchdown. Um, Billy Napier's got this thing going in the right direction. I'll say that. Like this is the most well-coached Florida unit. Because I feel like the thing for Florida for a while had been they might have had even more talent than they've had now. But the coaching, those last three hires were just so bad that they would just lose games that they really shouldn't lose. This year, the talent might not be what Florida's used to. They got some talent, but I feel like they are—they are not beating themselves. They are, yeah. They are finding ways to win some of these tougher games that they haven't in the past. So shout out to Billy Napier and Florida for getting getting it going in the right direction and and ending the season. You know, I mean, it's not over, but they just the uh, that week where they just looked bad against Charlotte, and then who came through and then beat them was that Tennessee? Um, that made Florida look bad, or who? Who was it? Oh no, was it Kentucky? Yeah, Kentucky. Kentucky yeah, yeah, Kentucky just ran all through them. Yeah, so that to to turn things around from that loss, that's that's. Things could have went south after the Kentucky game. I'll just say that. So that's a good, good bounce back. Another example too uh, for these folks who are, especially considered program builders, you got to give them a few, a few years. Yep. To start instill their culture, recruit their kids. Yep. I think, and then you see the results in year, year three, year four, year five. But you got to give coaches time. Yeah, we see it now with Mike Norvell at FSU. If you would have judged it off the first two years, there might have been question marks. You let him build up. You see where he's at. I think you could. I I would say that about Napier. I would say that about Matt Rule at Nebraska. I think just give him time. Now that doesn't mean competing for national championships, but it means right. can I get a school that used to be a ten a nine win school every year back to those levels? I think you know a Matt Rule for Nebraska an, an eight or nine win season. That's realistic. I think he could do that in three years. Billy Napier, same thing at Florida. So just, yeah, like you said, give those guys time. Just patience, I think, is – there's not enough of it in college football. Um, but with, like you said, program builders, let them – give them time to build their program. Uh, final game from that window, the game of the day. Hands down, no competition, Oregon or Washington. That environment is amazing. That stadium on the water is what amazing. What a treat. What um, a treat. Perfect. I, I actually like that it wasn't a night game because just the daytime vibe of that game with that background is beautiful. Oregon with their eggshell white jerseys were sick, all purple for Washington. I couldn't think of the last same last time Washington had a game of this magnitude at their campus. Um, they've been good, obviously, in past seasons, but like to this level, with the Pac-12 on this level, kind of just those stakes felt like a playoff game. Um, in in so much it, it feels like a playoff game but at the same time we have such respect for or- Oregon or Washington that a loser like I said a close loser in that game with one loss is not out of the picture you could definitely get a one loss Pac-12 team into the championship or into the, the, the playoff the way things shake out 
So Oregon's not out of it, but Washington um, passed their first big test. But the Pac-12 is so loaded. Like I kind of want to get through some of these games because I kind of want to have a conversation at the end about just the Pac-12. Uh, but so we'll get back to it. But that I mean, from that you have deep shots left and right. Penix played amazing. Um, Oregon's defense is good. Like they got more stops on Washington than we've seen anybody get. Um, so that was impressive. Washington's receivers, Mbuka or you know, Rome, uh, or was it Rome and Duze and uh, Chris Polk are amazing. Like they, they, Washington is everything they were advertised. That game was everything it was advertised to be. Um, couldn't ask for more. Yeah, great, great game, great environment, similar to Oklahoma, Texas. I want to see that again. Hopefully, we get the chance to later down the road. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some some decisions that I could be persuaded were good ones, but were nonetheless head scratching by Dan Lanning on some of the fourth down calls. Yeah, I mean, um, which he, you know gave the game some some intrigue unnecessarily. Yeah, he goes for a great it on, game overall. Goes for it on fourth down every time. He 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 like uh Staley for the Chargers. They're it's no longer a call if you just like I go for it every time, no matter what, all the time. Then you're not really making a decision. You're just blindly doing something, and it just seems like there's a a fine line between aggressively, calculatedly taking a risk and just this is what I do because I'm doing it. I I go for it on fourth down. But yeah, um, that was a that was a great game. I I want to get to some to some other games. I want to talk about the fact that Louisville hit the goddamn banana. On the Mario Kart track, that is the Pittsburgh Panthers. I said this, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, but I just said that's all Pittsburgh exists to do is just trip up whoever an actual winner might be. That's Pittsburgh's entire existence. So congratulations, Pittsburgh. You did the thing that you always do. Louisville is now probably out of the ACC picture. Yeah. Probably. like Right now, now you probably, I mean, North Carolina – Florida State, kind of, those are your two. Um, but Pittsburgh did what Pittsburgh does. So go ahead, Pittsburgh. Um, Marshall at Georgia State, shout out Charles Huff, is the Marshall coach, He's a black man. So I got to give him a shout out. And uh, I feel like he should, I've said that he's gotten some considerations for some of these jobs. Definitely get out of Marshall. Marshall's fun, but get out. Uh, Miami, Tez Walker. You you texting me? Okay, I see what all the Tez Walker uh, fuss was about. Why why him being suspended was such a big deal? Because well, clearly Miami didn't know because he yeah. was doing whatever he wanted because he was not being double teamed <laughs> or shadowed or anything. Miami did not have a scouting report post Tez Walker. Their scouting report was pre NCAA or or you know post NCAA ruling they did not get the update so like wait wait he's playing who's like, this, wait, who is this guy who's, who's, <laughs> who's this guy uh that's what it looked like so impact made immediately um i said him and keon coleman as far as just transfer immediate impact receivers uh, just look at the difference that they make um so unc's got you know got a pathway to the playoff there unc at all i mean lsu at auburn lsu Made me not pay attention to that game very early on. Just was never competitive, um, which is impressive. 
USC Notre Dame. I feel like we covered that one pretty well. Uh, and the only thing I wrote for the note, they were doing uh, Chris Collinsworth's son. Sorry, I forget his first name. Was doing the math like as USC or no, as Notre Dame was receiving the kickoff that they ran back for a touchdown. As the ball's in the air, he's like, so all USC needs is a stop, a touchdown, and uh, three points. And literally as he finishes the word points, the Notre Dame, uh, who's a Tyree or whoever that really fast dude for Notre Dame is, is halfway to the end zone. And he goes, or never mind. And from that <laughs> point, the game was pretty much over. Um, big win for Notre Dame. Um, my environment game of the week from last week turned out to pay off. Wyoming went to Air Force. What a game. What a Called back it. and forth. It's, it's just, yeah, the troops at night, the cadets, as it were. Um they were in full full attendance. They got to storm the field after a victory. This is an Air Force team that could score the ball, that could pass the ball. That's rare. Uh, they're undefeated. They might be an undefeated Mountain West team when it's all said and done. Um, they are ranked now. I, I figured they would if they beat Wyoming. I figured whoever won that game would probably get a look in the rankings because Wyoming was hovering. Air Force gets to 22 now. So shout out to Air Force. That was a really, really, really fun game. Late night, quick. Yeah, you caught it. That was a good one. Yeah, that, that was, was a, a really, really fun. Really fun. I, I have missed a lot of my, not missed, but some of my other environments because of the vibes of the game had not panned out. So I was happy about that one. We'll see how I do this week. Uh, the late night was real, real easy. My non-football uh, sport of the day, I got uh, Keyshawn Davis versus Nahir Albright in a lightweight uh, top rank ESPN boxing match. It was one of the undercards. For the main event. Um, he's an up and coming Americans, 10 and 0, six knockouts. Uh, he called out um, you know, one of the top 15 fighters. He's calling out top 15 fighters in that weight class above him. So just keep out look out for the name Keyshawn Davis. He's fighting in the lightweight division. So currently that's Devin Haney and uh Tiamafe Lopez are the, the two champs in his weight class. So he's not quite there yet, but just a name to, to look out for. And he's from uh, Norfolk, Virginia. So shout out, bad news, Virginia. Uh, Boise, Boise, Colorado. That was a wild game. Boise, Colorado State. Sorry, that was a wild game. That was the game that destroyed my parlay. Um, Colorado State. I made it from twelve noon all the way to whatever time that game finished, two in the morning, for them for for Boise State to blow two onside kick recoveries and blow a parlay that rid that I was riding for 12 hours. When you get through 12 hours an eight game, an eight leg parlay only for Boise state to not recover an onside kick and ruin my potential earnings. It was devastating, but it was a fun game. And um, Colorado state invited Boise state for their homecoming, which is a bold, bold move given Boise state's history. Um, but I think I've talked about this before. Boise State's fallen down, and they might yeah, not be able to get up. <laughs> they've significantly regressed. Yeah, it's it's bad. They're 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 running two quarterbacks out there. Um, they're yeah, they're not recovering onside kicks. They're not lining up right at, on play. Like it's coaching stuff from time, and it's like this is this is not the Boise State that we grew up with. No, no, they seem to to lack an identity. Yeah, they, I, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Every game, I'm like, all right, this is a bounce back. All right, they, this could be a spot where they they keep not bouncing back. They're two and two and four or whatever it is, so it's not good. Yeah, um, yeah. That last late night game was San Diego State at Hawaii. We finally 
week seven of the college football season, we get our Timmy Chang experience, an 11 o'clock Hawaii kickoff. Um, the Hawaii plays how you think a team coached by Timmy Chang would play. That's that's all anyone needs. In case anyone was wondering, I wonder what kind of offense Timmy Chang. Timmy Chang's going to run the Timmy Chang offense. That's what Timmy Chang's going to yeah. do. Yeah. So we, we don't have to worry about that. Um, we may see something different eventually, but yeah, it's, we have to at some point just go off of what we're currently seeing. Yeah, which is a not very good product. No, it's it's going to be a lot of passing. It gets look Hawaii's the hardest job in college football for a number of reasons. Um, it's fun yeah. and we love it and it has a special place in our heart. But if you're trying to competitively build a sustainable like just substantial program out there, toughest challenge in the sport by far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other game, Eastern Washington at USC, UC Davis, that is a Division One AA, but the fog that they played in, you could not see five feet ahead of you or five yards ahead. Like you couldn't see the from the TV broadcast, we couldn't see the yard lines. Um, I saw a picture from field level on the kickoff. It looked like a Game of Thrones scene where they're just running into the fog in the great beyond and who knows what's out there. Um, so I feel like they shouldn't have been playing. Like football is dangerous enough as it is. Blind football yeah. is just shouldn't be played. But that's what they were doing out there in Eastern Washington. So shout out to them. All right, let's preview next week. Let's get let's get to it. Um, or I'm sorry, how can I skip the game of the day? I said it. Oregon Washington. The Wyoming Air Force game was fun. The Florida South Carolina game was fun. But it was Oregon Oregon Washington by far. Um, I'll give that the color pop game of the week too. The all purples and the all whites. That scene, mm-hmm. that lake, everything was perfect. Um, performance of the day, I talked about him. Uh, Keon Coleman should get a nomination, though. He had 247 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. <laughs> he even was returning punts. Didn't know he could do that, but he can. Uh, so for Florida State, Keon Coleman. But it was Alec A.O. Maynard, 13. I'm sure that's not how you say his last name. But 13 receiving yards, 294, three touchdowns, game winner, Moss, Travis Hunter. Uh, big win at Stanford. That's one of the best receiving performances you're ever going to see. Michael Penix Jr. also should be nominated, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to a receiver. Uh, Uh All right. Next week, we know what the game of the week is. It's Ohio State, Penn State. Um, I give. Quick shout out to the Grand Birds. Had to say it. Best game I've ever seen him play. Yes. Fair. Fair. Absolutely. And and when they needed it and on the road in a tough spot. And get you know game winning touchdown with like what seven seconds left or whatever it was. Um, game of the week: Oregon, uh, Ohio State, Penn State at Ohio State at the Horseshoe Big Twelve, uh, Big Ten noon game of the week. I think this is the best chance Penn State has had to beat Ohio State in a while. Can't think of the last time that they have done it. Start there. Sure, they have. Can't think of when that was. But I'm not saying I'm going to pick them. I want to take some time. But I will say I am kind of leaning Penn State because defense travels. And I think that Penn State defense will travel. My concern is Penn State's offense not really scaring anybody. So, yeah, last thing I said, Ohio State, Penn State. I just think. Penn State's defense, I think it'll travel. I think they have a shot at keeping it close. My concern is that the offense of Penn State isn't 
but not a deep shot as it were yeah there will be no deep shots so i'm just concerned that it's not at the that if if the game goes that way if the game goes you know you need to keep up with if, if penn state's defense can't completely strap ohio state down and and penn state's offense needs to be able to put some points on the board i just don't know about that um so tough spot, but I think it'll be I think it'll be a close game. I think Penn State has the defense to keep it close. I don't know if they will be able to pull it out in the end, but I think they have the defense to keep it close. Believer game of the week. Feel like last week I picked the I picked actually Georgia, what, Georgia Southern, JMU game. Did I didn't think Georgia's that that was the JMU's toughest test. So I thought we get a close game there. JMU refuses to be tested. They say bring on all competition. They are not a test. Um, so I'm going to try to stay away from those weeknight sunbelt. I feel like I've done those three weeks in a row. I'm going to give you team we talked about. I'm going to give you Oklahoma State at West Virginia, night game at Morgantown. You got a super drunk crowd. You got a, what's developed into kind of a fun little rivalry between Oklahoma State and West Virginia since the Big 12, since you know, they've both been in the Big 12. That's kind of been a, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's an official rivalry, but I feel like those games, like I feel like those programs are comparable enough that they could have a little bit of a rivalry going. Um, and I feel like this is the battle of a coach who always gets his nine wins no matter what versus a coach who never gets more than seemingly six or seven, but keeps getting the coach. So that's a fun matchup too. Yeah, we got a lot of a lot of great matchups next week. Um my eyes on the Air Force Navy game. Good call. It's an early game. Uh, Air Force obviously you talked about already playing really well. Navy knows how to slow folks down and sneak up on people. So my eye is on on that one. That's a good one. That's a thank you for what you do game, or thank you for your service game. Love those. Thank you for your service. Love those. Um, so I'm interested to see what, what Texas does after a bye. Texas after a bye on the road at Houston. At Houston, right? I find, Yeah, I saw that. That's an interesting one. Houston could score. They know how to put up some points, exactly. That's, that's the thing that combined with what we've already identified is some – Sleepy stars from Texas. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, and it's at Houston, too. So, I mean, the environment's going to be on their side. I implore Houston to wear those really sick Oilers-inspired jerseys. I think they should definitely pull those out. Um, but, yeah, that's a good call. I do, I do remember seeing that one and thinking, eh, just worth keeping an eye on. The Houston of old would, would definitely um, put points up on this team. But I think we're, we're starting to see some of that. I like that. My uh, my environment game was Tennessee at Alabama because it's Alabama three o'clock Tennessee. Um, that's about as deep South rowdy rivalry SEC country as it gets right there. Yeah, um, that's a good one. It's also Tennessee's most. Well, I guess if Missouri stays ranked, I was going to say this is their most winnable game against a ranked opponent. Unless you think they could beat Georgia. I don't. But um, do not. Not at the moment. Yeah. And I, I don't even know if I think they could beat Alabama. Again, their defense is now the strength of their team. So I'm not sure. Like, 
what to make of that. I feel like you need to kind of be able to score to beat Alabama, and I, I, I don't, I don't see that from Tennessee. Um, they do. Alabama also has been struggling mightily to protect Jaden Milrow. So, yeah, keep an eye for that strength against weakness. How that may impact the game. Yeah, good call. Um, speaking of strength against weakness, that's the Penn State Ohio State game too. Strength of Penn State is Ohio State's weakness, right? Penn State's strength is that D line. Ohio State's weakness is the offensive line. Um, so that'll be something worth watching there. Um, Penn State has two of the better corners in the country. Ohio State has two of the better receivers. So like it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. Of, there's some strength on strength there, but there's also some strength versus weaknesses there. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of good games. There was a lot to choose from. Um, I don't have any super look aheads stock wise. I don't know if we want to get into it now or if we want to save that for a different, uh, you know, separate episode. Might you do an emergency, not emergency, but a uh, a separate segment? Yeah, we can we can save that for separate. I know we we did some stuff off show, so we've sent each other some moves and and stuff. But yeah, we'll we'll assess where we are. Um, I'm glad I hedged on that Oregon Washington stock. Um, had to sell. I'm glad I sold after Miami's first loss. If I tried to hold on thinking they would bounce back against USC, I would be real mad at myself. Um, I think it bears monitoring how far Miami tumbles after this now. Like I've just there's the there's the mental aspect of this whole thing. And I just wonder. Have they like is not needing enough that they have will completely turn on Crystal Ball and you know Georgia Tech and UNC aren't the only losses they got to go play Clemson that could be a loss like are they going to lose to NC State now are they going to lose to Louisville now um, but yeah we'll do an emergency session for that um, a lot of good games this week I'm actually going to be down at Hilton Head so I will be in. Uh, Georgia, South Carolina, really coastal Carolina, if we want to go with the closest thing would be territory there, Clemson-ish. But, um, yeah, I'll be watching down there, be playing some golf, be watching the games. And uh, week – this was seven. Week seven's in the books. Looking forward to week eight. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Peace.